You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. You know who is really good? Joel Klatt. Oh, yeah. Listen, this guy is so freaking versatile. Oh. He can do anything. There's no so problem. it's like when he was doing the radio show here with me. Uh-huh. Once he started doing TV for the Rocky Studio, yeah. I took one look at him in TV and I said, he's gone. He's gone. And then we find out that not only is he a great analyst, but he can do play-by-play as he was forced to do the other day. Joel Klatt joins us now for his weekly visit, courtesy of uh, Audi Flatirons. So what the heck happened, Joel? How did you end up having to fill in doing play-by-play and color uh, for, yeah. for Gus Johnson? Play-by-color, they play, call that. Yeah, play-by-color. Well, what happened? <laughs> I mean, Gus got sick, man. We're humans, right? Like it just it it happens. Uh, if you if you, if you watch the game with about thirty seconds left, twenty seconds uh, left in the second quarter, you can hear him throw his headset down. And let's just say, like, he made a dash <laughs> and he had to go. And so, you know, I actually what's funny is I was in the middle of a thought and like. All I'm thinking to myself is like, man, this headset's making a lot of noise because he kind of threw it down onto the table and it wasn't, they hadn't uh, killed it yet. And so I dove under the the table in the booth to try to get the microphone because he was tripping over the cord as he was trying to get to the restroom. And so I'm under the table trying to finish my thought. I think I was talking about like, defense is like a, a, a wave and like the wave, the, the tide coming in and wave after wave and and I'm under the table while I'm saying it, trying to grab the microphone so that it won't make any noise. And then it just happens, man. I mean, like, you know, he was in the restroom for a while. And when he came out, it was just abundantly clear. Like, he couldn't, you know. I'd, and, and there was, like, a protective sense. Gus is like a brother now to me and after eight years. And so I was like, man, you can't, you can't do this. Like, I got to protect you from yourself. And so... Oh, with about 30 seconds left back from halftime, we just kind of made the call. We were like, all right, you know, like, that's it. Like, I'll handle it. And so I just threw my headset on, and I asked for the cards. And I was like, where are the cards? Because all I was worried about is making sure we got all of our sold elements in there, because I like my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, was, uh, how was producer Chuck? How, how was, was he calm as ever, or was there a little he, bit of chaos in the calm, truck? man. And, it, listen, if there was any chaos, which I'm sure that there there was, he he certainly kept it from me, which is what every good producer should should do. And so, like, yeah, it was wild. And and he just calmly said, like, all right, you know, like, hey, we're 30 back. You're going to have the logo fly to score. Make sure you hit AT&T and Brady's on his way. And I was like, okay. And then with about five seconds back, he was like, eight, you know, it's eight, seven, six. And then he was like, hey, make sure to update on Gus. Five. Four. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know. So, uh, but anyways, that, that it was is a wild day, man. That is incredible. So, did you switch headsets? Did you go over to Gus's, or did you stay in your in your position? Uh so there was. Everyone was looking at me in the booth because the play by play guy has a spotter and a stat guy right, and, right. and the monitor where where all the cards are being read for all the sold items. And so they were like, do you want to come over here? And I'm like, well, no, I've got my station over here. I've got my station with my boards and, and the Telestrator. And so I just stayed there, and I called the second half with no spotter. I mm. just did it, like, off off of the board, uh, yeah. off of my board. So 
That's it. Yeah. That's and what then Brady I did. Quinn joined you. Yes. So then, <laughs> so he comes up there and we hadn't talked and he walks in the booth and, and we're on the air, you know, I'm trying to be like second down for all <laughs> <laughs> over and his eyes are all big and he just shrugs and he puts Gus's headset on. And of course, you know what I think to myself? Uh-huh. Uh, germs, right? Germs. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, he's got to get <laughs> The real reason you didn't switch sides exactly. is because you didn't want to have to put on exactly. Gus's headset. You are damn right. There wasn't <laughs> enough Clorox wipes in the world for me to walk over there. <laughs> You know what? I have such a better eyes uh, and mic with the, the vision because I've been in that booth a uh, hundred times. And, you know, you often think about what if. Uh, and you had the ultimate what if scenario. You handled it exceptionally well, Joel, uh, as you always do, man. A, you're, hazmat, you're a, a hazmat unit right. could have come in and taken care yeah. of Gus's microphone. And there's still no way Joel would have right. put that on. No and, way. We had this We had this great stage manager. Her name's Crystal. And she's at Nebraska every time that we're there. She lives in Omaha. And she's really good at her job. And she, <laughs> Gus laughed. She walked up to me with with Clorox wipes, and I was like, "Oh my God, you know me so well!" Right. <laughs> that oh, that's fun. Hey, let's let's move it over to the Broncos. But that okay, is great. You did a great, you great, a great job. All uh, right. So let me ask Clorox wipes. Yeah, yeah, right. Let me ask you this. Wow, there's so many things I want to ask you. One, let's let's start with the operation. Right. There is nothing yeah. worse for me as a player, Joel. There was nothing worse. Then getting a play in late, rushing up to the line of scrimmage and having to snap the ball because I want to take in information, right? I want to line up. I want to take my time. I want to see where the linebackers are because I can usually tell what what side the safeties rotate down on based upon where they line up. And, like, I'm taking in all this information, looking for blitzes, cat corner. Hey, is there a corner in press? Is a safety over the top? Then I know he's a potential rusher, right? All the things you're trying to take in, you can't do any of that when you have to snap the ball. It just puts you it just puts you behind the informational intake uh eight ball, if you will. Why is this 100%. operation why is this operation so crappy? Because the, the play caller doesn't know what he's doing. He never practiced nor did by the way, didn't call the plays in Green Bay and hasn't practiced and and thought himself through the situations like Am I going to go forward on fourth down or not? He's got too much in his head because he's new. All right, there's no experience. There's 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 no substitute for experience in this life. All right, you can be a really talented guy and sit down to do radio for the first time. No experience for it. You're going to make mistakes. I've I've sat next to Gus over a hundred times and listened to him call games and other guys call games. There's no experience. I sat there and made mistakes the first time I had to do play by play. This guy's doing all this for the first time. And by the way, in the exhibition games, when he was supposed to practice this, he didn't. And everyone was like, don't worry about it. This was my entire point during the preseason. The guy didn't take it seriously. And now we're having to to live with his growing pains. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand how to do this. And that's a, a frustrating thing. This offense is operating at about, I would call it 65% capacity when you get the play in late. It was my biggest pet peeve as a quarterback. I'm sure for a guy like you who wanted to take in information, it's the same. 
you are not operating to your full capacity if you don't have the ability to come up and actually influence and, and put pressure on the defense. Remember now, it's not just about taking in information. Mark, the other thing is for a quarterback, you can use your cadence as a weapon. You can have a dummy call. You can get them to move, take in even more information outside of their disguise and get yourself into the correct play call or know where to go with the football. Denver Broncos don't get to do that at all. But don't worry, they're calling run and pass on the sideline like my six-year-old flag football team with Theo. My God, what are we doing? This is crazy. It it, it, it absolutely is, Joel. And I, I will tell That's you That's our quarterback, thing. though. Right. That's our quarterback. I'll tell you the other thing. That's our corny quarterback. You don't get you don't make you don't make the defense communicate when you can't get into your motions and your shifts and your changing of strength and all that stuff. You know, they don't have to communicate. So it really takes the pressure off of them. Okay, let me ask you about red zone woes. Why is this oh. team so pathetic in the red zone? Because as opposed to what happened late against Seattle, I think that there there is this there were either commitments made to Russell about trying to throw touchdown passes or there's this tip of the cap to him that they want it to be touchdown passes. They had six red zone offense, or excuse me, uh, goal to go offensive snaps, Mark, six mm-hmm. of them. They threw it five times and ran it once. They ran it for four yards on a day in which they almost ran the ball for five yards a pop. They ran it one time in goal-to-go situations. All of these are, by the way, inside the five. They ran it one time for four yards and threw it five and went 0 for 5. I just, like, they continue to sit in the shotgun at times down there. It, it baffles me what they're doing down there. It's, it's, it's calling plays for statistics. It's calling plays based on this, I don't know, promises made to your quarterback? I know that's highly speculative, but I don't understand it. How in the world do you have six snaps, offensive football, goal-to-go situations inside the five-yard line, and you run it one time and throw it five, and they were 0 for 5 on those passes. One of them was obviously the overturned touchdown. They had to, I, I just The only touchdown that they have on the day comes from outside the 20-yard line. It's highly frustrating to me. I, I've always felt like if you get bigger down there and goal to go inside the five, if you get bigger and you stretch out the width of your formation with more tight ends, you get under center, you can do a lot more things to cause conflict on the defense than if you're sitting in the shotgun. Um, you can get yourself downhill in the run game. You you present more gaps for the defense to defend and be gap sound with. You can then put gap defenders in conflict with heavy downhill play-action pass. You can get outside of the pocket. You can throw play pass. You can run crossers. I, I just don't see that type of creativity. There's way too much shotgun, and there's way too much throwing inside the five. Joel Klatt joining us, courtesy of uh, Audi Flatirons, for his weekly chat with us. I, I, I'm still fascinated by the, the whole communication breakdown and what's, what's happening. Where is it? Where are the kinks occurring? And Hackett the other day talked about, and I'm reading a quote from him, we have to communicate better. It starts with me and gain the proper information that I need. Now, I would assume uh, he's got he's got people upstairs that are his eyes in the sky, so to speak. So 
what is he getting from the guys upstairs that he's having to process and decide what to do and and doing well, so in a slow mm-hmm. manner? Can you can you walk us through that part yeah. of the communication, you know, pipeline? Somebody is is looking at the defense up there and they're going to basically chart versus every personnel group and every formation that you get into, what's the look that you're getting from the defense? How are they defending? Because they're making choices. The defense is constantly having to make choices. How are we going to adjust to your personnel? How are we going to line up? How are we going to roll coverage when you're in a three-by-one or a four-by-one type of set with a back offset? Those are all, all choices, and you've got to be following along with that. So that's information. You've got to have the proper down and distance all the time. You've got to have your analytics guy who's telling you, hey, these are the percentages based on where the ball is at, how the game is going, how our defense is playing, so so on and so forth. And I think that's the information that he's talking about. But the, the, but the problem is a lot of that information is talked about and and digested in between series. How did they defend that? Okay, well, let's get back to this, this, and this. How did they defend that motion? Ooh, they, they left something open. Let's get back to that. Remember, we've got that concept born off of that motion that we can get back to. And this has always been the problem, at least in my estimation, with head coaches that are play callers. I've always felt like they leave a little bit on the table when it relates to communication between series, between offensive series. And then when you're talking about within the series, I, you know, to be honest with you, if he's trying to get the defense and the down and distance, you're already late because as a play caller, you have to be a play or two ahead. You've got to know on second down, whether it's four down situation or not, you've got to know what four down situation you would go for it. We're not going to go for fourth and three. We would go for fourth and two. You've got to call plays accordingly. And if you're not two and three plays ahead as a play caller, you're already behind. You know, we, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. We've actually brought you up the last couple of days because you've, in talking about, you know, Pat Shermer and some of the other offensive coordinators we've, we've had to suffer through the last few years, you've always talked about how you can't be always chasing the game. And, boy, does it seem like Nathaniel Hackett's just constantly playing catch-up. It does, and it's frustrating. And I know it's frustrating for the players. I don't know if there's anything more frustrating for a quarterback, in particular an experienced one like Russell, uh, because he wants to digest information. He wants to go out there and, and sit there. You want to put pressure on the defense with your personnel groups, with your shifts, with your motions, um, with the formations. And you can't do that when you've got to be static. So generally speaking, a play caller is not going to play call a play in operation that doesn't have some movement. It's very, very rare. And I know, you know, really one of the first guys to do that was Mike Shanahan with you guys in the late 90s. Mark, you guys were one of the first teams that would shift and move on almost every single snap. And he did that to put pressure on the defense, to give looks, to expose coverage. And now that's a real staple in in the NFL. I would say you're going to see movement on over 65 70% of snaps across the NFL. But what happens in operation when you get behind is that there's a point on the play clock where – as a quarterback, you realize that there's a, there is a, there's a moment when you cannot shift and move. Okay, so, so for instance, if I'm not breaking the huddle by about 18 seconds left on the play clock, 
I'm probably not going to have time to operate everything that I want to operate at the line of scrimmage because it takes guys like Mark six full seconds to walk three yards and put their hand in the ground. Yeah. You know, they got a lumber up there and check, check. What's it on? It's on one for God's sake. Like the 14 snap, you know, they've got it. And then they lean down and now we're at nine and then you shift and now we're at six and then you kick a motion and now we're at four and we're snapping the ball. If you get past that, like 18, 16 second mark, you realize in your head, I'm late. As a quarterback, I was constantly looking at the play clock. It's not just when I'm up at the line of scrimmage and I'm like, ooh, it's four. No, no, no. no. I know how, how behind I am by the time it hits 20, 19, 18. And if, it, if the play still comes in with a motion or a shift, I've got to do one of two things as a quarterback. I've got to fix it with the play call. And, and digest the formation and say, okay, what are we ending up in? And I've just got to call that set as a static formation in the huddle. So, for instance, mm-hmm. if we were getting into like a, like a let's burst to triple right, U-Disco, 96 power, right? Kind of a simple play. Well, <clears throat> and, well let's call it something. Let's go, let's go like U-Left. Triple right, U-Left out of Tiger group or two tight end group, okay? Tw- uh, 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 12 personnel. I'm going to end up in double, double tight. So rather than triple you left, I'm going to get in the huddle quickly. And this is like play clocks moving down. There's noise. There's everything going around. Guys are leaning in. You're breathing heavy. And you've got to, in your mind, say just like, all right, like double right tight, 96 power on one. Let's go, you know, and you're kind of like prodding everybody. And then you realize like, well, we probably should just go on first sound and not on one. So I don't, because I don't have time to give the cadence. So then you feel like, check. Check, check, early, early, check, check, early, early. And you're trying to scream at everybody that, hey, we're going on first down, early, early. And then the you guy says, like, oh, wait, where am I lined up? you got to line them up on the left side. And then it's like, boom, okay, here we go. But guess what I didn't get a chance to do? Look at anything in front of me. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to operate the system and get everybody to the line of scrimmage. Let's say that I forget to, to call the ending formation and I call everything. I say, okay, we get in there. Burst to triple right, you left 96 power. Oh, and then and we, we go check, and then I got to give a hurry call. And if I yell hurry, now I'm putting the pressure on everybody in my offense to just get into your final position, into your snap point. Hurry, 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 early, early. And now I'm changing cadence. I'm changing everything on them, and they're running into different positions, and now we're trying to snap the ball. And that would just be on a run play, nondescript, so I wouldn't be as worried about it. But let's say I had a check involved and I was going to get into triple right, you left, and I'm going to go 96 power check, and then we're going to run some sort of like scissors route. So like, let's say scissors Y, let's say it's like Z scissors, Y corner. You know, so 96 power check, two jet, Z scissors, Y corner, on one, on one. And now we get up there and I'm like, crap, early, 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 early. And now everyone's running up there and they've got to get in there. And, and I don't really understand if I've got man – which I've got to throw the tight end corner versus man versus zone. I'm probably going to throw scissors, but do I really know the coverage? No. Why? Because they're just sitting there staring at me trying to operate late in the play clock. Is it just me or is it got warm in here? I tell you. I tell right, you. Can somebody crack a window? <laughs> Anybody got a cigarette? Anybody got a cigarette I can smoke right oh, now? Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank that you, was- Joel. 
Joel, you're the best. And Joel, in, on, in honor of what you went through the other day, I just found myself reaching for a Clorox wipe, and mm-hmm. I'm going to sanitize my entire workspace here. <laughs> just take, just tell Gus. Oh, just just tell Gus that's why I wear a diaper during games. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I don't think he's a. Uh, um, I don't think he's fooling. Uh, who you got? Who you got? Who you got this weekend? Uh, um, I got Michigan Maryland. Uh, so I'm headed to the big house, and uh, we'll see if Michigan's for real. Looking right. forward to it. Ah, oh, which means we also get uh, Jim Harbaugh stories next week. Yeah, Wait. great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, speaking of diapers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Thank you, Joel. Later, Joel. Later. Joel Klatt, lead college football, what do you call it? Play-by-color. Play-by-color for Fox. Did it last week. He's ready to roll. Whatever you need him to do. We'll unpack what he had to say next. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com. 